I only saw, what, 30 seconds that you sent me? And that was horrendous, wasn't it? Oh, my God. If Radiodrome was a TV series, who would play me, Josh Hadley? Bigger question, though, who would play Cecil T? Uh, hmm, let's see. Who's really, really handsome? I guess Uh, Rob Zombie could play me. Uh, yeah, I could see maybe a Rob Zombie. You know, well, you definitely got the beard. Cecil T, let's see. Who could play you? I'm thinking something along the lines of Eric Morse? Eh, more like... Or a, maybe Liam Neeson. Sure, why not? Who, who would play the Marquis de Suede? LeBron James. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right, for that one, you get the Adam and Eve promo, buddy boy. All right, if you go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, you get 50% off a single item, three free DVDs, free shipping in the United States, and a free mystery gift for using DROME at adamandeve.com. And if you couldn't tell from the little joke off the top, we're going to be talking about when TV series are turned into movies and when movies are turned into TV series. So I guess to start off with, Let's let's talk about when movies are turned into TV shows. Oh, and I'm specifically trying to leave animation out of this. Otherwise, we'd have to have happy days and all this stuff. I'm trying to stick with just live action. Why do you think this usually doesn't work? That usually the TV show is a watered-down, basically castrated version of the movie rather than actually be, being better or expanding on themes from the movie, which does happen sometimes. Well, there is the fact that it's got a different cast, so that's going to be a bit initial discomfort. And considering that the show that follows that discomfort is total suck, I mean 90% of the time, because they don't really put a lot of effort into it. They're just getting it out there to get like three or four episodes worth of advertisement, and then it's gone because people didn't realize, oh, they didn't put any effort into this at all. Most of the time, it's like Alex said, they are trying to capitalize off the popularity of said movie. They're shoehorning it in, and they don't really have a good concept. They're not looking at a bigger picture. They're not looking at, you know, hey, we're going to have, you know, five to however many seasons of this. They're like, all right, let's see if we can capitalize on this and make it for the small screen and try to squeeze as many episodes in before it finally gets canceled. They just don't put enough effort into it there have been some that were successes yes there has been some that even though i'm not a fan of the tv series i'm a fan of like the third spinoff though look at what stargate did the movie was all right and it set up the universe but then the stargate tv series greatly expanded on the groundwork laid by the movie like i said i I just really didn't like stargate sg1 atlantis was all right i loved stargate universe though To me, you've got ones like that, or even though they had to do some retconning, you had Highlander. Highlander, the series, greatly expanded upon Highlander. So you do have ones like that, but yeah, most of them are... Do you guys remember the Michael Keaton movie Gung-Ho with George Wendt? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that had a TV series? A very short-lived one, I remember. And that one actually did, in a way, defy one of the things Alex said. You said it's a different cast. Not really. All of the Japanese cast from the movie returned for the TV series. Clint Howard returned from the t- for the TV series. Really, Michael Keaton and George Wentz roles were the only ones that were recast. And Michael Keaton's role was recast with a, a poor, really early Scott Bakula. Scott, one of Scott Bakula's that. early Oops. roles was Gung Ho, the series. So, but then, you, and you know, you've got other ones that like Fast Times. Do you guys remember that Fast Times at Ridgemont High had a TV series? I do remember that one. I don't remember it having a series. That one also had uh, two of the teachers, Vincent Scabarelli, the the weird guy that loved autopsies. 
the weird guy that loved autopsies, he came back, and Ray Walton came back as Mr. Hand. The only saving grace that that TV series had was Dean Cameron, Chainsaw from Summer School as Spicoli. That was actually a pretty cool casting move. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Courtney Thorne Smith, too. How and, many of... You know, but not as good as Dean Cameron, but... How many people from MASH the movie made it into MASH the TV series? Then you have other ones that are strange, where the movie's not even really that big of a hit, and you get a TV series. Like, you guys remember the Roy Scheider, Malcolm McDowell helicopter movie, Blue Thunder? Eight episodes of a TV series. Yep. Starring Dana Carvey. Well, that's why the bomb. You have strange ones. Uncle Buck, which I didn't think was a very good movie to begin with, had a TV series. With Kevin Meany. Ferris Bueller had a TV series. I didn't. I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off isn't even that great, but they kind of used up all the potential for that right away, didn't they? How could they? Uh, you know what? I I remember the show, but I don't think I ever watched it. I remember, wasn't Jennifer Aniston in that. But it's one of those movies where, like, Fast Time made sense. Like, they could make a series out of that. But how could you do a series about Ferris Bueller's Day Off? He's every day he's skipping school. I I can't remember which of these came first. It really struck me as a lot of Parker Lewis can't lose. Yeah, I think Parker Lewis. I can't remember which one was first, though. Yeah, but Parker Lewis lasted longer because it was, quote-unquote, original. Yeah, and but, uh, but Parker Lewis was actually funny, though, too. So. It's been so many years, mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was funny or not. Well, and then you have ones even I don't remember. My wife remembers this, but the Michelle Pfeiffer movie Dangerous Minds had a TV series for a season. Yes, it did. With Annie Potts taking over the Michelle Pfeiffer role. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I remember that now that you mention it. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people have not seen the TV series for the next one I'm about to bring up. Because I I, I googled a few lists of, you know, best and worst movie, movie to TV series lists. And this wound up on the worst of all of them. Casablanca, the TV series. And I'm going, did you actually watch it? fantastic you you had ray liotta as sasha david soul as the star and it was a prequel to casablanca lasted six episodes only five aired but six were shot it was moody and it was really well done do you think that failed in the popular sense because people just went oh my god you dared make a tv series out of casablanca when when was that 80s 83 wow I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many different factors into why that could have failed. Uh, it maybe just wasn't marketed properly. Could be, like you said, where people were like, you know, blasphemy. You know, how could you make this into a TV show? It might have just been bad timing, bad time slot. I don't know. I mean, that seems it's such an oddity that something like that even exists. So who I mean, that's one where, you know, short of going back in time, you're really not going to know why exactly that didn't work. Well, I think that's the same thing. It's like Casablanca, the, t- the series. Oh, no, I'm not even going to bother. I mean, I, I think one of the problems was most people thought it was a sequel to the movie rather than a prequel, which which kind of sets up. And they were very respectful to the movie to not contradict, you know, references and stuff. This is a prequel, just instead of a movie, it's a TV series. What's your problem? Oh, and it's in color. Yeah, I think being in color also takes a lot away from what the movie had. They they made up for it with mood, though. The, they used a, a lot, lots of really of colored lighting, lot, lots of reds and greens and blues. and they It made up for it, and it was a very moody, very noir while being in color, if that makes sense. But then, Alex, earlier you brought up the MASH thing. Now, there are two ways when you take a movie to a TV series you can do it. You can either not use the movie as continuity and basically remake the movie with the new changes you want to make for the series, or you can keep the movie in continuity and just say these are the further adventures of these characters. MASH decided we didn't really like the movie continuity, so they started over. That's why when you had the strange instance of the Trapper John TV series, Trapper John, the TV series, is based off the version of Trapper John that was in the movie, which is a direct contradiction to the character of Trapper John from the TV series. So the Trapper John TV series is a TV series of the movie character, but not the TV series character. Does that make any sense? 
No, because I didn't know there was a MASH movie until like years after the series had ended and I was starting to go to film school. So it confused the hell out of me at the time. And if you watch the early episodes of the TV series and the movie, the continuity does not sync up at all. No, I think they just took the spirit of MASH to make the series. The weird thing about MASH is it's one of the rare instances where you have an amazing movie that was then made into an amazing TV series. A mediocre TV series. Oh, come on, dude. There are a lot of people. There's a lot. That, to, I like MASH. I never liked MASH the series. That Dude, it's an award-winning like show. Yeah, I mean, Terrence had... Malick's won awards. It doesn't mean he's good. Ugh, all right. Well, you got me there. It's, it is a beloved TV show. Fair so, enough. But it's one of those rare instances where the two, even though they're, they're the same property, you have two different continuities, but they both still exist within each other. I mean, you have people who love both of them, even though they are, you know, essentially the same characters and doing the same things, just, you know, in, in different ways. You know, it's kind of stretched out amongst the uh, the series. So it is one of those rarities. Uh, I I can't think of any other show that really does that that well. When you use the movie as part of continuity, is that better than when you just kind of start over for the TV series? For example, something like Alien Nation. Rockne O'Bannon was very vocal when the Alien Nation movie came out in 1988 that he was not happy with changes Gale Ann Hurd made to the script. He said basically they took my satire of buddy cop movies and modern culture and turned it into a buddy cop movie that just takes place and endorses modern culture and they kind of deballed it I think is one of the words he used once so he wasn't happy right off the bat so when he got to the okay from Fox to make the TV series he said the movie did not exist we're making my original script into the TV to our pilot is that better or worse which version works better when you and I mean which version of the theory of that works better knock the movie out of continuity or keep the movie in continuity well, for, for Alienation, I like the movie, but I love the TV series. Oh, the TV series was fantastic. It was amazing. I, I just, I love it to bits. And it is, it's just, it's just an incredible show. And I think that it is a case of where you had the creator saw what they wanted this property to be. And it was made into something outside of his control, the movie, which, like I said, it still was it, it was good, but it was like there was certain things that were missing. And then when his show came out, it's like, oh, this is what it was supposed to be. So in that case, I think it's cool that the director had the ability to take their property and say, OK, you know, that other thing that was made. All right. That's still kind of being going to be its own thing. But now I'm going to make my version. And this is what it really should have been. I think it's a case by case basis. I mean, it really whether you want to take the movie into continuity or not, it just depends on how you approach the TV series. If you want it to be, you know, artistically good either way, I mean, it depends upon the passion of the the well, TV series maker, the producers. Thank you. In the case of Alien Nation, Rock Neo Yeah. In the case of Alien Nation, he had a lot of passion to make a good TV series, to make something quality and entertaining. He had something to say versus a lot of the other TV series that are based off of movies. They don't want to say anything. They just want to make money. They want some ad space and they're cashing in off a movie. They're not even trying a lot of the times. And in the case of Alien Nation, that was actually kind of a dangerous series for 1990 because it really was looking at the immigrant situation and racism in, in a really clever way that the movie only hinted at. See, so you being a fan of the series, you can see how in 1990 that was kind of dangerous for Fox to do in a good way, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. That was really risky. I, they did a lot of things uh, intentionally kind of, po you know, pushing the envelope. The uh, whole men are the ones male... in the newcomer situate in the newcomer Ex society that give birth. Mm -hmm. They're very feminizing of, of George. Yeah. About how like he was the man, but his wife was really the one that was running things. And it was, it was, Something that was unheard of back then. They really pushed a lot of envelopes. The one that really struck me as this would never make it on the air today was the fact that 
how newcomers get pregnant. The mm-hmm. woman impregnates the man, and they need a second man to aid in the impregnation. So babies can only get made in newcomer society as menage a trois. That was kind of dangerous for 7 p.m. Friday night TV in 1990, huh? Saying, oh. hey, group sex is the only way this this species procreates. They didn't show it, and they it was very implied. I'm and sure standards it. and practices said, you're not showing this. Oh, absolutely. But I'm saying they, they kind of had a workaround. So, I mean, that's probably the only way they could get it on at, at freaking 7 p.m. on a Friday, for crying out loud. But, uh, yeah, it, it absolutely pushed so many envelopes. And it's funny that it's something like that that came out way back then that Fox would just completely, you know, shit their pants over now. So you, you have you have ones that do that or s- something like I haven't seen the movie in the heat of the night for a long time. But I know the In the Heat of the Night TV series did not use it as continuity because Tibbs shows up in the pilot episode, which kind of contradicts him showing up and making his way in the movie. I seem to remember them having very similar themes. So what what about when the pilot essentially remakes the movie with the new cast? Is that kind of an insulting to the audience if you've seen the movie? Then you just kind of say to yourself, why didn't you just say, hey, the movie already happened. Here's the first regular episode. Or is that a safe way to acclimate the audience to the new cast? I think it's a way to acclimate the audience to the new cast. It's a way to bring everybody up to speed and also to kind of recap things. Because within the heat of the night and the TV series, there was such a gap between the two. So even for people who maybe yeah, saw the like movie. Yeah, years or something. Exactly. So even for people that saw the movie, it's like they put the show on. If they didn't really do that, bringing them up to speed, people would be like, uh, what? who what's going on again but that was a way of remaking it doing it in a way that did the original justice you know it wasn't just like now where they're remaking everything for the sake of remaking it this was kind of to start off a new uh a new franchise well then you also have ones that they keep the original movie or in this case movies in continuity but they also just kind of create a side continuity remember the planet of the apes tv series i think it was 77 78 I heard of it. I never saw it, but I've heard of it. I think I saw it on like Sci-Fi Channel and syndication or something, like in the sometime in the nineties. Yeah, it only but lasted I, like seventeen episodes. Yeah, but I don't remember it at all, really. It, it was basically it basically took place in an alternate continuity, yet they referenced the first two Planet of the Apes movies as the past. Yet the TV series constantly contradicted the world we saw in those two movies. So is that the TV series not caring or the producers of the TV series saying just like, no one's going to notice that we contradict the end of the second movie. Who cares? What does that say when they do that? Probably the producers weren't paying attention or just didn't care. They just, ah, you know, do this and, and get it out there. I mean, how many cartoons and show spinoffs do they do? And they put the episodes out of order and just do stupid things with so. I think it was just the producers not giving a crap and knowing that the show was probably going to be canceled anyway. I think it's they don't give a f- because the world ends at the end of the second movie. How could they you blow the a, planet up? Yeah, how could you have a series that takes place after that? How could you reference the, the, the end of the world as being the past when everybody was dead? Yeah, that's kind of just really lazy and I don't give a f- on the end of the producers. What about when they expand on the universe? I don't mean like like what Stargate did. But, I mean, they kind of try and go off into maybe not a different direction, almost like a sidequel instead of a sequel. Do you guys remember the Starman TV series? Yeah, I totally remember the Starman series. I found out about it, you know, right after I watched the movie a few years ago. And it was like, they made a series where it's like him and his son having adventures. Yeah, and it's not the same alien that Jeff Bridges played. It's another one of that another member of that species. They get into Robert Hayes' body, so it's not the same character as the first one, but it's using the same continuity. That I think is a is a smart way to say, "Hey, the movie existed, but we're our own thing too." That's the way I think you should do it. It it's one of those things where sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you kind of need to separate yourself from the movie and start over. And other times you can incorporate 
elements from the movie and then continue on the story in its own way. So really, that's just something it's, uh, I would say, more of a case-by-case basis. Well, I think Highlander did the same thing because the pilot episode of Highlander specifically says the first movie took place in the same continuity as the TV series with Christopher Lambert reprising his role as Connor McCloud. At the same time, first movie was kind of a closed off ending. So in a way, you've got a retcon at the same time saying, yeah, the movie actually happened and we even have the star of the movie as a bridge here. So what does that mean for the continuity? Do you keep the movie in continuity or not when you have to retcon parts of it, like with the Planet of the Apes thing? That, I think, was sloppy. Highlander, you were kind of written in a corner if you wanted to make a sequel series or any of the sequels, in all honesty. I think in the case of Planet of the Apes, they would have had to retcon, but they didn't. Or so they, sometimes... No, because in Planet of the Apes, they could have said this takes place before Taylor crashes on. Yeah, they could have. But they chose to retcon it because if they wanted it to be a sequel, because not every TV series is going to be a prequel. And when you do a prequel like that, that's a bigger risk than doing a direct sequel. Yeah, because a lot of times with especially real popular movies, people want to see the further adventures. They like these characters, so they want to see more of them. They don't give a crap how they met. Yeah, they want to see what happens after the movie. A sequel, I mean, I'm sorry, a prequel is a huge risk as it is, but when you're doing a sequel series, you're going to have to retcon if the movie ended with the end of the world, for instance. Or in Highlander's case, movie ended with, he is the last immortal, that is all that there is to it. Well, you see the, the animated series. No, no we don't. But then you have other ones that, do you guys remember Shaft, the series? No. Yeah. In fact, I, I remember the series a lot better than the movies. The series, this was one, I mean, okay, it was Richard Roundtree returning as John Shaft, and it was essentially nine TV movies, because, gotta remember guys, this is the 70s, these ran in 90 minute time slots back then, so without commercials, they're an hour 10. They're only a little shorter than any of the movies, so really all they did when they came, when they brought Shaft to CBS was, can't say nigger, can't show boobs, and you can't say f*** or shit. Otherwise... The Shaft TV series was hardcore. He was murdering dudes. They Well, actually, no, I take it back. You could say nigger. They said nigger a lot on that in the 70s. An early episode of Shaft the series is about a bunch of white bank robbers who rob a bank in blackface while talking all black, yo! So everyone think they black! So when they take off the black makeup, people are looking for African Americans and not looking for white people. And Shaft is the only one, because, you know, all the cops are white. Shaft is the only one that starts to put together, this is so stereotypical black, this is the way white people see black people. That's pretty freaking ballsy for the early 70s, isn't it? Well, that was back when they could get away with certain things. It, it's, uh, yeah, big time ballsy. But that's, again, it's not so much that it's stuff that they could get away with, but it was stuff that, like, I don't know, I, I think that... It, Everything is so castrated now that even if you were to do something like that, but have it done in a legitimate fashion, you would still get the PC police breathing down your neck. So they would never put something like that out now, even though it existed perfectly fine back then. Yeah, that's ballsy, though. I'm going to have to track that down because I freaking love Shaft. Alex, since you watched Shaft, the series, am I wrong on how kind of ahead of the early 70s that show was? Oh, yeah. You're not wrong at all. That show was amazing. And only lasted nine, I, 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 you know, I call them episodes because they were, you know, on TV. But like I said, they're an hour 10 to an hour 12 apiece. They're almost movies, aren't they? It's they almost are. like nine more sequels. They are. It's, in fact, I Shaft was another one that I didn't know that the movies came before the TV series. I thought the TV series, the movies were based off of the TV show. You guys know that Dukes of Hazard is based off of the movie Moonrunners, right? That Moonrunners is essentially the pilot for Dukes of Hazard with a couple of name changes. Oh, wow. Did not know that. I had so no that idea. Means the... Because, yeah, Moonrunners was an early 70s, the Hicksploitation movement. The same producer brought in, and, and Moonrunners was narrated by Waylon Jennings, a car named the General Lee with a Confederate flag on that. On the top, they were ex-moonshiners. There was the corrupt the corrupt businessman. There was the incompetent sheriff. They abused bows and arrows. They were cousins. They had their female cousin that wore short shorts. They had the old uncle that was the wise man who used to be friends with the with you know what was essentially Boss Hog. 
he basically said, I can't take the movie to TV to CBS. I'll just kind of remake it and change enough that Paramount, who owns Moonrunners, won't sue me. So Moonrunners is essentially a movie pilot for Dukes of Hazard. So technically, Dukes of Hazard is a spinoff of a movie. Then I you, had no idea. Uh huh. Then you've got other ones. What about like the prequel that's not not a prequel? That we want to make a prequel, but we don't want it to be part of continuity. Young Indiana Jones. You guys, either, either of you remember that for the three seasons it ran? I never watched an episode. I remember seeing it advertised, and I remember seeing it like sold like piggybacking onto any Indiana Jones box set. Not only do you get Indiana Jones, you get an, an episode of the TV series Young Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, I uh, I actually I watched it, but um, I only saw you know episodes here and there. Uh, I never actually watched it continuously. So I, I don't re- I just remember I remember like it's, you know, er, didn't every episode start off like he was old and he's in a museum and he's looking at, oh, at an not, artifact? Not, not necessarily a museum. He could just be walking down the street a- as an old man and something would remind him of an adventure he had as a kid because they had three separate timelines for for this. You had the, the present of the early 90s, which was the old man, and then you had him as like a 10 year old having adventures, which would be like the the beginning of Last Crusade era. And then you had him as a teenager, which was Sean Patrick Flannery playing him between the beginning of Last Crusade and where Raiders of the Lost Ark picks up. So you had three separate continuities, and you never knew quite... I mean, you always had the old man, but you never knew whether you were going to get young Indiana Jones or teenage Indiana Jones from week to week. And eventually, the little kid version kind of got phased out because those weren't as popular... So it essentially became Teen Indiana Jones for the bulk of the series. Teen Indiana Jones makes sense right off the bat. Except here was the thing about this. At the time, this is another great George Lucasism like we brought up with droids and Ewoks, how, oh yes, these are continuity. This is what happened right before Episode Four: A New Hope. Then, no, later on I want to do something different. So now they didn't. These all were continuity until he decided to make Crystal Skull and went, yeah, all, all that stuff never happened. Oh, how did Crystal Skull retcon the TV series that nobody watched? Well, because old man Indiana Jones, one of his greatest uh, regrets was never having married Marion, which he does as a younger man from where the old one would be. So that right there is a contradiction. And they outright say he never had any kids. He has 30-year-old children in this, which means they would have already been born and he had a wife by the time Crystal Skull takes place. So yeah, it directly contradicts all the old man segments, which is, I think, why when they put Indiana, young Indiana Jones on DVD, they cut all of the framing sequences with the old man. Because George Lucas said, yeah, these aren't continuity anymore. Nobody wants to see these. The only one that they left on was when Harrison Ford appeared on the TV series as 50-year-old Indiana Jones. People don't remember that. Yeah, Harrison Ford was Indiana Jones on the TV show once, too. You, you keep saying Crystal Skull. I, I don't know what you're talking about. There there was only three Indiana Jones movies. Well, that's just typical of Lucas then. I, again, I didn't really watch the series, so I didn't know the framing device, which sounds stupid, come to think of it. At the time, it was not. Now, before we move on to going the other direction with this stuff, why do you think they take, I don't want to say serious movies, but they they take relatively adult movies and try to turn them into stupid juvenile sitcoms and somehow think that's going to work, such as Working Girl. Working Girl, the movie, is a pretty good hard R, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's it's absolutely, you know, uh, with with Melanie Griffith. And yeah, th- and then there's a lot made, of sex in that movie. There's a lot of sex in that movie. And yeah, then the TV show was just this goofy workplace sitcom. Yeah. And did this? Did the TV series use old Harrison Ford as a framing device as well? Quiet. The t- <laughs> no, the, the TV series starred a then-unknown Sandra Bullock as the star, and the Sigourney Weaver role went to, you'll love this, Cecil, Nana Visitor. Oh, wow. Yeah, Major Kira her. was the villain. Kira was the, oh, that's hysterical. Did she have long hair, or did she have the freaking short Bajoran cut? Short Bajoran cut. Sure, but yeah, it's that's how she just lives. Okay, because I, I, I don't want to like watch it, watch it, but I want to watch it out of curiosity. 
you know, then you had other ones like a lot of people don't remember this because this franchise was almost dead at this point. But Police Academy had a TV series that lasted 26 episodes and it's in continuity with the movies. Hell, it's got Michael Winslow in it, too. Yeah, he's the only returning cast member. They, they, they bring back Hightower and Hooks and that for like one episode stints. But he's the only cast member from the movies that's a regular on the show. He's now an instructor at the police academy. Well, you did send me a few episodes of that some months ago, and I watched them, and they're funnier than some of the later Police Academy sequels. I mean, the, the TV series is better than Police Academy 5. It went on for way longer than I thought it would. 26 episodes? 26 episodes is impressive for something that was so corny. For me, the the, uh, the Police Academy show... Uh, was kind of the TV version of what happened to Revenge of the Nerds. It was like you had a very R-rated movie that they made into a very PG TV show. Oh, you mean like that Clerks unaired live-action pilot that we've never seen that Kevin Smith said is the worst thing he has ever seen in his life? I only saw, what, 30 seconds that you sent me? And that was horrendous, wasn't it? Oh, my God. It's horrible. So what does cause cancer, Sandra? Lotion. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Think about it. Everyone who tans uses lotion. You're serious. It could be true, Dante. Leave the poor goddess alone. (laughs) It absolutely... Like, if that... If that would have gotten out, I, I probably would say it would have killed the Clerks franchise. Mm-hmm. And then, to me, one of the most insulting ones, and like I said, the original movie was a comedy, but not this dumb, was Weird Science. I love the Weird Science movie. God, that TV series was awful. And that lasted like three or four seasons, too. <laughs> I liked it. Of course you did. <laughs> Alex, we've been on, we've been agreeing pretty much this whole time, but it's, there had to be something that I liked that you don't like. I didn't mind it until I saw the movie. And then I'm like, oh god, that series sucks now. That this movie is so much better than that series. Do you guys remember the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures t- live action TV series? I only heard about that within the past couple years. I didn't. I never saw an advertisement or an episode. It's bad. The bad Sandra Bullock movie, The Net, was turned into a pretty decent one-season TV series, The Net. I thought the TV series was pretty good, actually, and used the concept quite well. Although, being from 1998, good God is all the computer technology laughably dated now. Yeah, I used to watch The uh, the Net, because uh, I, I liked the movie. I think it was silly, fun escapism. And then the show, they did, like you said, they the took The show was concept. serious. The show was really serious, and uh, it was Brooke Langton, if, yep. if memory yeah, serves. Yep, yep and, you were right, Brooke Langton. And she did a really good job of, of kind of being the, the Sandra Bullock character. It, it, it was funny, though, because they're doing all this computer shit. It, it's so wrong. <laughs> like, like, they're downloading these massive files on dial-up. Dial yes. <laughs> And I'm and like, oh, I, I, I remember that there was an episode there. They downloaded some code that could infect every computer in the world. It's like 14 megabytes. And they're like, whoa, that's huge. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that, that I have photos on my computer that are three times that size. And then you've got ones. I liked this show, but I can see why it pissed off people at the time. 1988's Freddy's Nightmares. I enjoyed the show because it had a lot of really good episodes with some really unique premises. The biggest problem Freddy's Nightmares had was its budget. New Line didn't want to spend any money on these things, and the first thing that they cut was it was not to be shot on film. It wasn't even shot on video like a full moon movie. It was shot on camcorder, on high-end prosumer camcorder. The episodes literally looked like what a 80s soap opera looked like for video quality. That, to me, was why Freddy's Nightmares could not find an audience. It looked like shit. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, I remember it. And uh, I think what the problem was that it wasn't a Nightmare on Elm Street show. It was 
a horror anthology that had Freddy as, you know, the uh, the crypt keeper, for lack of a he, better well, description. Well, he did, he did appear in, of the 44 episodes, he was the main character, the main villain in 12. I know that might not sound like a lot, but a lot of people don't remember that he actually was the villain in some of the episodes. And then others, yeah, he just kind of introduced coming in and out of each commercial break. Yeah, so I, I agree I, with you and I don't. Yeah, I only saw... I'd say I, I've seen between eight to ten of them, and uh, I, I enjoyed the ones that I saw. But yeah, the quality just killed them. And because if it they would have looked like a goddamn soap opera, it looked like ass. If they would have just spent the couple of extra bucks, they probably would have something that they could they could sell a lot easier now, and it might have gone on to be more successful. There was the late '90s, I think it was '97 Conan TV series. Just forgettable nonsense. You have those beyond Westworld. Yeah, Westworld had a sequel before Future World, a five-episode CBS series. No one remembers it. Why? It was stupid. Beastmaster. Beastmaster, too. Yeah, Beastmaster, but that lasted five goddamn seasons, Cecil. <laughs> so that was it, hardly a failure. No, no, no. It was hardly a failure. It was successful. It just sucked. It it was uh it was riding the success wave of Hercules and Xena. It was like, hey, oh, yes. this is cheap to produce, and we can crank these out on a fairly you know regular basis. And I've I've seen a bunch of them, and they were fun. I liked them. I don't like them as much as I liked the first movie. It was it was all very different, but uh, it was they were still fun. Well, and then you have when you go the other direction, when you take a TV series that becomes a movie. And again, you have the same thing we talked about before. Do you start over and say the movie, the TV series did not happen in the movie's continuity? Or do you say, OK, we kind of hope you watch the TV series and these are the further and this is the these are the further adventures on the big screen like Star Trek did. I think the classic Trek movies, leaving out Star Trek, the motionless picture Star Trek 2, 3, and 4 were great continuations of the original series, I thought. But what what version do you think is the best when you do that? Ignore the TV series and start over from scratch? Or hope the audience has seen enough of the TV show that they can follow the movie? Again, uh, it's a case-by-case basis. Sometimes uh, certain things, you need that refresher and you need uh, a place to start. Whereas uh, other ones... The show was popular enough, and uh, they're able to kind of continue on with it without doing too much backpedaling and, hey, here's what happened, and here's what you missed, and this is leading up into. Yeah, most of the time um, with movies that are based on TV series, the way most of them are approached are like, okay, this is the first episode of a, a series. You know, they just start from scratch. I mean, it's the, the concept of the TV series just as a movie instead. Rarely do you see something like Star Trek where the movie is in continuity with the series that existed. And in a weird way, sometimes when they do keep it in continuity, they keep it in a weird continuity. For instance, the Mission Impossible movies. The first Mission Impossible movie with Tom Cruise is a sequel in continuity with not the original 1963 Mission Impossible, it is in continuity and a sequel to the 1988 Mission Impossible, which itself was in a sequel to the 1963 one, but they never referenced the original 63 series, only the 1988 series. Yeah, is that a it, strange cherry-picking of our continuity? Kind of, but then the, the first Mission Impossible movie kind of just 15 minutes in wipes the slate clean by killing everybody but Tom Cruise. So yeah. I agree with you. That one kind of wanted to have it both ways. We want to wipe the slate clean, but we also want to say we acknowledge what came before. And if it was done in a more respectful manner, I'd have a little bit stronger feelings about that. But I think that's why it has such cherry-picking continuities, because they want to nod as much as they can, but still just tell their own new story. Which is where I feel the Dragnet movie from 87 completely worked. It was both a parody of the old 50s Dragnet and a continuation in continuity with now now Captain Gannon in it and Joe Friday's nephew as the new Joe Friday. I think Dragnet was the way you do it. It was both respectful and making fun of the original at the same time. That's hard to do. Uh, I never actually saw the, uh, the Dragnet movie. Okay, you need to. 
there's a reason this was the first movie where Tom Hanks's name was above the title. Okay, was that wasn't Dan Aykroyd in that? Dan Aykroyd is Joe Friday, and Tom Hanks is his new partner. Christopher Plummer is the villain. Dabney Coleman is a Hugh Hefner knockoff, and it is a fantastically funny movie. How does it stack up with the uh, Car 54? Where are you? Much better. Car 54 sucked. <laughs> I know. I'm just goofing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, most things in the world are better than Car 54. Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> when you are trying to cast Rosie O'Donnell as a sex-crazed wife, you've lost me. Oh. Remember yeah. that in Car 54? Oh, uh, you know, I think I must have blocked that out, but now it's coming crashing back. I think in the wrong hands that that could have been terrible. Just like giving McGee the Charlie's Angels franchise. Well, uh, you could have given anybody that, and it would suck. Charlie's Angels, the movie, was just that was bound to suck. But that brings up our next subset of TV shows to movies. The movie completely exists to make fun of how bad the TV series was. <laughs> like that, Starsky and Hutch? That's on my list. That, to me, is the most disrespectful middle finger of going, yeah, we're a movie of this old TV series. The old one sucked so bad. We're just a complete parody of that. Yeah. Or the worst, the most insulting was Land of the F*** You. Sorry, I have an issue with that movie. The Lost. you got to finish the title before you lose your mind. No, because it has nothing to do with Land of the Lost. No, it doesn't. It's it's a, it's a complete piece of crap. It's a parody it's one of, the worst of Land of <laughs> the Lost. To be fair, Land of the Lost was kind of a shitty TV series. I hated everything Sid and Marty Croft did, so... Land of the Lost did have a lot of good ideas. They just didn't know how to realize them. Yeah, because it was Sid and Marty Croft. Everything they did looked like ass. But so, yeah, dude, what, Land what, of the Lost, the, the movie, ugh. It was... That was some major CGI abuse, and that was Will Farrell. Just, hey, we need Will Farrell to be wacky guy again. And I, Will Farrell and Danny McBride. Ugh. Okay. 99% of the time, absolute garbage. You, sh- you know, make mocking the original property, unless you're making a movie. And then you, th- I mean, you could throw in a couple of jabs here and there, like uh, with, uh, with the X-Men movie where it's like what do you want us to wear yellow jumpsuits like you could throw in little like jokes like that but it's still not outright mocking the film or outright mocking the original property although and i know alex agrees with me i do have a deep love for the brady bunch movies those actually fall into what i I hesitate to call affectionate parodies Uh, but but it's that's that's probably the best way to describe them. They're, yeah, they're it is. Not- but no, no, because I think there's a difference because those are done as a parody of respect, like the same way Dragnet did it. Whereas Starsky and Hutch is a mean-spirited, God weren't wasn't 70s TV bad. That's well, the difference. There's mean-spirited and affectionate parody. Charlie's Angels, Land of the Lost, and Starsky and Hutch was mean-spirited. No, I, don't I wouldn't think exactly Angels call Charlie's was... Angel a parody. It was just. They tried it was to, an update. Like, Get Smart was an update. I never saw that movie because f*** that movie. Uh, they, they really have that perfect mix of goofing on the originals and throwing in a lot of, like, old references, the whole George Glass thing, the voodoo tiki fetish doll, like, little stuff like that. Ugh, they were just very silly, funny, and like you said, they're affectionate parodies. They're not mean-spirited parodies. Yeah, and I liked that they kept the Brady Bunch, like, with the mindset of the 70s. They kept the 70s Brady Bunch just living, you know, in modern era. In the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. Made it really fun. It made the Brady Bunch a lot more fun than the show ever was. And it still kept the spirit of the show because the characters were still the same. Different actors, but they were still the same characters. They actually made a third one, too, by the way. I didn't know that. It must have been direct-to-video. It was direct-to-video. Same cast, though. But then you have ones like the long-in-gestation Cagney and Lacey movie. Okay, the Cagney and Lacey TV series was very forward-thinking. Strong female characters that were not there to kowtow to the men, which at the time, and I'm, I'm going to use the word, TV Guide even said they were dyke fantasies. In the early 80s, it was strong female character equals dykes. And that's what the movie, after Starsky and Hutch, that was written by the same guys, they wanted to make, they were virulent, man-hating dykes. 
and that that was the whole point of the movie was these are feminazis. And the original creators of Cagney and Lacey said, you do that and we will wage such a anti-publicity campaign on you. We guarantee your movie will tank. And the studio was like, come on, it's all in fun. No, that's the kind of mean spirited shit I'm talking about. Wow. I mean, that's the the fact that that TV guide was calling it that is hilarious. It, it just in its absurdity. Um, it also goes to show it's a, a nice sign of the times. Yeesh. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's crazy that they would they would want to do that at all uh, to update it, you know, the characters, but make them mean spirited dykes. And uh, I don't know, man, that's a mess. It also goes to thankfully it never got made and I, d- I doubt it will. The making fun of Six Million Dollar Man movie, or sorry, I mean the Six Million Dollar Man movie that was going to star Jim Carrey. It was going to be the same premise. Steve Austin is an astronaut, he crashes, and they have to rebuild him. The joke is Six Million Dollars in 1999 doesn't buy what it used to, so none of his gadgetry works properly. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Oh, so they would have just made Inspector Gadget with Jim Carrey. Yeah, but it would have been Six Million Dollar Man. And that begs the question, then why do you even want to call it the Six Million Dollar Man other than the the one-note joke of Six Million Bucks doesn't buy what it used to? Then just make the goddamn Inspector Gadget movie. You know, if you have no love for the original, why do you want to remake it? Name recognition. And pissing off all the fans. Yeah, it's name recognition. They don't care about the fans. That's the name. You know, and then you have other ones that are very respectful. Look at the Twilight Zone movie. The Twilight Zone movie was very respectful to the series. In fact, I actually, because they were all based upon episodes, and I like the movie version of Terror at 20,000 Feet much better than the actual episode. John Lithgow sells that role a lot better than William Shatner did. And that goddamn creepy gremlin is way creepier in that. Yeah, the, the TV series looks like a man in a wool blanket. The, the one in the movie is creepy as f- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, John Lithgow was he blew Shatner away as far as that role went. Yeah, the the movie totally was a way of doing that and paying respect to the original series. The only way they could have done it actually by taking, you know, certain key episodes and then making an anthology series. Well, and then you you also have one other strange one that we got in the late 90s. Like you have ones like the Adams family movies where they got the spirit right, they got the tone right, they got the cast near perfect, but the script sucked. That was oh, my problem. Shut your with... filthy mouth. I like those movies. That was my problem with both Adams Family movies. I loved the casting, I loved the gags in them, I, I loved the look, I loved the tone, I loved the direction. I thought both stories were fing terrible. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, well, more along the lines of the casting. I thought the casting was absolutely amazing. And I mean, Raul Julia and, and Angelica just, Houston Angelica was so Houston perfect as Morticia. Was so perfect as Morticia. I mean, the, they nailed the look of it. They nailed the feel of it. They, know, they nailed the tone of the jokes too. This is the one so thing. So deadpan. This is well, and this is the one thing people don't realize. Go back and watch those '60s episodes of The Adams Family. They are a lot more morbid and dark than you remember 60s TV being. And uh, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I didn't dislike the movies. It's just, they just kind of were. Like, I didn't like them. I didn't dislike them. It's just kind of like, meh. They were, they, they put a lot of effort into making mediocre, mediocre you know, movie. Mediocre movie. Okay, I really did like the Adams Family movies. And, you know, I watched the series afterwards because they started airing it on like every damn channel I grew when the movies up came out. Yeah, I grew up watching the series in syndication. I mean, I was familiar with it mostly because they had it in that animated stuff. Like, yeah, the the animated card, the animated series, and the uh, ABC Family series from the '90s did not help things. Yeah, but th- th- they they that got me familiar with the characters and the movies. I love the movies, and you're right, the story itself in each of the movies is crap. But the movie focuses so little on that story. And it just revels in, hey, look, it's the Adams Family, that I enjoyed it enough. The story was took such a backseat that it's the least of my critiques about those movies. What about when a TV series is surprising when it gets a movie that you kind of go, 
why did that get a movie? And I'm not saying that necessarily in a bad way because the three examples I'm going to give are TV series I loved, but did Twin Peaks really need a movie? What about The Naked Gun spun off from Police Squad? Police Squad was a six-episode failure 15 years before the first movie. That's kind of surprising that it got it, or the most surprising, kind of a double entendre joke, Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. A movie about riffing movies where they riff a movie. Which is actually shorter than an episode. Strangely enough. So you've, you've got these. Why do you think some of these got made? Why do you think somebody had the bright idea, let's turn these very unlikely failed TV shows, well, outside of Mystery Science Theater, but Twin Peaks and Police Squad both failed, and let's make them big-budget theatrical movies, and these will be hits, right? Well, in the there was a documentary on uh, the Mystery Science Theater movie where they talked about how it came to be. And basically, the studio presented them with the ability to make the movie. And it was kind of a, hey, we're going to give you the money. Do you want to do it or not? And so they jumped on it. They were like, sure, what, you know, why not? It's, it, that'll be a lot of fun. But then as things progressed... It was like, all right, well, you're limited in these are the only movies that you're allowed to do, and we need more cursing in it, which was, it was like, what? And they were like, I yeah. know, it was surprising the first time I, I heard Tom go, whoopty shit. It was like, they, they were like, we, we had to, we, they made us put cursing in there for some reason. And then when they put the whole thing together, the studio was like, well, it needs to be shorter. It needs to be shorter. And they were like, well, it's going to be shorter than the movie. So they actually cut out like large chunks of the movie. Of this island Earth. Of this island Earth. And then the thing was, they still had the bumpers in there. So it made the movie even shorter. Because I think they, the they whole thing. they cut a bunch of the bumper stuff, too. Oh, yeah. They trimmed it down big time. Because the whole thing was only like 80 minutes. And I mean, that was shorter than, a, than an actual episode that would have aired on TV. That was just a case of the studio, for some reason, uh, more than likely some executives saw this, saw that it was popular, said, hey, we want to make this into a movie. And then once things got underway, was like, oh, this is what this is. And then tried to maybe tailor it the way that they thought they could do it to make it a hit. And then it ended up only playing the art house theaters anyway. I don't know. Uh, sometimes obscure things will turn into massive hits. The police squad going into Naked Gun, I mean, they made three very successful and one and, and, and two one were, movie. well, I think one is hysterical. Two has funny moments and three is was trying way too hard. It was a shame. It, it it worked. It was very funny and it was clever and they, they did a good job. So I, I think it's just a matter of maybe look at something that might be a cult hit or maybe um, popular enough that they could take that concept and go forward with it and make a movie that would be popular. Yeah, you're right about Police Squad and The Naked Gun. Um, to go back, you mentioned the Twin Peaks movie. That's pretty much a case of David Lynch produced that david lynch did that and it was basically you know he didn't get a chance to finish the series except so he did except he didn't the movie is a prequel to the series for most of it yes it only has movie... about 15 minutes of its two-hour running time takes place after the damn series yeah but the whole point of the movie was to answer the one question that the, the series never did which was who killed laura palmer the tv series did answer it it was bob inside leland's body yeah well the movie the movie also serves the fact of you don't need to watch the series to get the movie. I don't know. I thought that was a waste because the movie of Twin, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me went that weird route of we're going to show you a movie of all the stuff that has no real bearing on the TV series just because I want to play in this pool a little longer. Well, it's David Lynch. Of course, it's going to go the weird route. It, it is a crapshoot when you either take a movie and turn it into a TV series or vice versa. It all depends on what your mindset is going into it. If you have love for the source material and you're not just making a cheap cash-in or a mean-spirited parody, you can have great success. Because you'll notice all of the mean-spirited parodies we talked about didn't make it, did they? Yet people still kept making those mean-spirited parodies because they thought, that's how you re revisit 70s TV series. Which, which one made it? The good-hearted one. The Brady Bunch. 
that says something, I think. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where if you are going to take a property, you have to show respect for it because you're only going to end up pissing off the uh, fans and it comes out wrong. If you do it and it's mean-spirited parody, you just don't find your audience because fans of the original are not going to like it. Because who is it made for? Yeah, the fans of the original aren't going to like it. And then you're bringing in new people that aren't going to get the mean-spirited parody that you're making. So, yeah, you're just you're just making a garbage movie. So if you're going to update something, you definitely have to show some respect for it. The mean-spirited thing, you know, it also fails at a marketing perspective. Because if you're making fun of and showing how bad something is, how are you going to sell the series? I mean, you got shows like the, um, the Addams Family. That movie made me go out and watch episodes, but the Starsky and Hutch movie, though, that would drive people away from episodes. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, it's not really well it's it's poorly thought out. Yeah, it's offensive. So where can we find the Marquis de Suede? What what channel do, do his credits land on? Geekjuicemedia.com, the newly revamped. Which at this point it's nuts. It's like been over a month now. Well, Cecil, if we flip channels, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at goodbadflix.com as well as the recently revamped geekjuicemedia.com. If you totally turn your TV off, you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. The same recently revamped geekjuicemedia.com. Don't be mean-spirited and watch the goddamn Dragnet movie from 87. It's awesome. It's a city of crime. My name is Friday. I carry a badge. 3.15 a.m., Thursday, January 15th. It was chilly that morning in the city of Angels. On this particular occasion, we happened to witness a pagan ritual in progress. See that stream at? We're just in time. We have stumbled into a major crime. They got the girl off right. Now that's not nice. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But first you know we really ought to read them their rights. Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got two calls and you better make them on the double. This is the city of crime. So stand in line. It is our job to bust you all for being violent. While we are here, let's state it clear. You have the right to remain silent. Well, excuse me, comma, Mr. Crabstone. What is wrong with what we're doing? We just like to dance in our gold skin pants around this ancient ruin. Now it's not so funny that it costs big money if you ever have to hire a lawyer. It's my duty to inform you and my pleasure to warn you. We'll provide one for you. Sensation. We go down to the station. You're going to answer some questions. And have some refreshments. What is your full name? What were you doing on January 15th of this year? All we want is the truth, mister. What were you doing in the location in question? What is the purpose of your pagan organization? Whoa, you can't say nothing on me, Tom.
technology. I like to do things my way. We don't get memory loss about who's the boss. Don't forget, my name is Friday. Friday. I'm the man of the hour. The power of power. I'm the arm of the law. The very last straw. I'm on the side of the right. A gleaming white knight. If you get me up tight, I am a rising sun. I'm as strong as the army. Never can harm me. Coming down like a hammer. Get ready for a slammer. Radio Drone is a 1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.